everybody. I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Welcome back to my podcast. We are in the studio with episode number two with Tyler Williams and my friend Brian Dalton in the house. Tyler, man, I am so excited. Segment one was just incredible. But during the break here, me and Brian were just talking, and we have to figure out by asking you the question, what song was it at karaoke that switched the light on <laughs> I, that, 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 that you were like, okay, this is what I want to do. This please is tell me you remember. Please tell me you remember. <laughs> so I'm not 100%, but I believe it, there were two songs I sang that night. And one was Johnny Cash by Jason Aldean. And the okay. other was Every Mile of Memory by Dirk Bentley. All right. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, that proves the point, you know, how important those turning points are. He remembers it. That's yeah. awesome. You know, talk and then, about you know, the, the thing ahead. that I've struggled with is I can mimic a lot of singers, and so I can kind of sound like Dirks, I can kind of sound like Jason Aldean, I can kind of sound like Luke Bryan, and so I would end up going to karaoke and just repeating a bunch of different songs and, and trying <laughs> to mimic those guys. Because again, when you're coming off of that fear, it was the easiest thing to do was it was mimic, and of course everybody loved it because like oh he's, he kind of sounds like him. This is fun. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's awesome. Tyler, let me ask you this. What's it like when you are doing what you want for a living? Talk about the stress that comes with it. Because I know what it's like for me personally. Um, you give up a lot and there's a lot of stress involved when you're following a dream. And you said it, the three of us are, we're all dreamers. But there, I know for me personally, there's a lot of stress that comes with being a dreamer <laughs> and Brian, we were just talking about that th this morning. Right. It's expensive. What's it like for you? And, and talk a little bit about that, that stress that comes with following a dream as you, and you got three dreams going on. <laughs> right. I, I think, you know, one, it shows if you, if you stick it out long enough, it shows the, the people who really want it and really believe that that's the path for them mm -hmm. because it isn't easy and it gets tough and you're investing a lot in your own, you know, you're, you're paying to record your own material. You're paying to, to go to the racetrack and you're investing a lot of time and energy into something you believe in and a time when people may say, Hey, you should by now or starting a family by now, you know, it, it takes some sacrifice to believe that this is the thing, or these are the things that you're meant to do. You know, I have this gut level feeling that I can't deny that I need to try this, that I need to, to see if I have what it takes to answer the call and do these things at the highest level possible. And not just to fulfill my dream, but to show other people that, Hey, there's dreams within you. There's dreams inside of you that if you answer the call, if you awaken the desire, you can go out there and, and test yourself and see if you have what it takes to not just compete, but to share your gift with the world. And, and so I'm out there doing it and it, it definitely is not easy, but I'm convinced that for now it's the, the path. And like I said, along the way, you have a lot of people you get to, to inspire, to, to meet interesting people. And connect with people that you know. I, I never dreamed the people I've met, and just between racing and music and the, the speaking world, and to get to interact and connect, it, it's a um, you know, it's a it's a special thing, and it's not something I take for granted. And it's uh, something that people don't understand. You know, there, there's people who don't get it, but one day they will. They won't. And no matter what, I'll have some fun stories to tell. That's right. You know, you've you know, speaking about being in front of a lot of people, you've appeared on NBC, Fox. Uh, the CW Network, uh, the Crook and Chase countdown. I mean, what's it like for you the first time that you were on TV? I mean, listen, like you, mentally you can prepare yourself to, to go do something like, mm -hmm. like TV. But going out there, do you even remember the first time you were on TV? I don't remember which station it was, but it, it definitely is one of those moments where 
if you do a podcast, there's a lot to, or they're not live. And so, you know, they can be edited out or you write a chapter in a book and you know that the chapter can be edited. Yep. Live TV, it's live. There, there's That's no right, like today. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had moments where I've been performing and I've forgotten the lyrics and you just have to keep pressing on because you can't stop. That's right. And even in the moment when you're internally devastated that you messed up, you can't let that stop you. You know, I, I let that stop me as a kid, but I learned now that you just keep going, you pick up where you can and you, you deliver the best performance. But in, in TV, you know, when you have one song to do, it may be three minutes long, you're standing there, they don't give you much time to rehearse because they're running a live program. So you can't rehearse on top of them running the news. And so <laughs> it's time to cut to you. There's about a 30 second introduction. Hey, Tyler, how are you? And you have a little banter back and forth with the reporter or whoever's doing the commentating. And then it's right into the song and it's go time. And you have three minutes to perform. And as soon as it's done, they, they cut away from you and you walk in and you go home. So it's, it's one of those moments where the pressure's on and you just have to trust that your training, your practice, your rehearsal has been adequate to perform at the highest level. And sometimes you, you knock it out of the park. Sometimes it's average and sometimes you mess up. Man, it feels like a failure. <laughs> Tyler, I, I love asking this question to a lot of the drivers that I get to interview with NASCAR and stuff like that. So, Tyler, you do so much more than just racing with your speaking as well as your singing. When you do those things and you're on TV, I know a lot of men have to wear makeup for the very first time. Do you remember the first time <laughs> that you had to have makeup on or somebody had to put makeup on you? <laughs> Yeah, so the, luckily I'd had experience the first time. So I, in the course of you know getting over the fear of being in public speaking and standing on stages, I taking acting classes, and it just so happened that the acting classes led me to do stand and work on the Vampire Diaries on the CW network, and so I had experience putting makeup on or having makeup put on me to do camera work for that TV show, kind of the behind the scenes stuff. And so the first time the, the news station wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't one of those moments where I'm like, what's happening? I kind of understood, but it, it definitely is a weird feeling as a guy, you, you know, having someone come in and say, right, you know, Here, here's a little stuff for your nose to, to take some of the shine off. You're kind of, you know, I kind of understood what was happening, but it's, it's, it's a weird, you know, it's not something you do every day. So you did have a, a, a coach then. Did I hear you right? So when, like with your music, with your um, uh, racing, did you hire a coach like a lot of men and women do these days? Or did you learn everything yeah. on your own? So in the racing world, that guy I called back at Quartermaker Chassis, Jimmy Garman, he was instrumental in helping us get to the track, giving us a baseline setup. And I couldn't afford to bring him to the track with us every week. And so he helped maintain the car during the week. We take it to the track and then tweak on it and see what we could do. But all throughout my racing career in the late model, he was the one helping prepare it. And so when we could get the budget and we could get some new shocks, you know, he was the one who would tune on the shocks. And when we could get the new motor and the little upgrades we could afford, he was always there to, to help us and steer us and guide us. So he was definitely pivotal in helping us achieve the success we did in the late model world. And I think, you know, I saw him, you know, a couple months ago and he was saying, you know, how proud of what we accomplished because we didn't have a lot. And so he, he was complimenting about that, but, uh, he helped us big time in racing. And then, um, you know, the, the thing, you know, there were guys I raced against that had full-time crew chiefs and you know, two and three cars. And I was always a little bit envious because I knew that they just had more opportunity, but 
when you do what you can with what you have, you learn to create opportunity. And we, I think we did that really well. I love that. And, and it makes us grow, the, the, right? And right. it makes you grow. And the speaking side and the music side, you know, I've had three or four vocal coaches. I've taken acting lessons, not because I wanted to be an actor so much, but because I felt like the acting training was some of the best training for the stage. Because as you said earlier, you know, when you're performing and you think everybody's thinking about you, you quickly realize that when you mess up or when things go wrong, that the audience, they're thinking about what they're going to go eat after the show. They're, <laughs> they're thinking right. about the, the, the date, you know, their, their, their girlfriend or their boyfriend next to them or their spouse, you know, they're thinking about nothing related to you once the show's over. So, um, you know, I've definitely had a lot of coaches throughout the years and without coaches, you know, we, we can't see the areas where we need to grow the most. And so I think coaches for anybody, whether it's in life or business, or areas such as performing and racing. You know, if, you, if you don't have them, you're missing opportunities to maximize your potential. Tyler, there are people listening right now that um, they might be, they might have a dream. What advice could you give the men and women watching the show right now? I mean, because we're listening to your story and your story just wasn't, you know, all a bed full of roses. I mean, you had your right. ups and downs. You, you, you've learned lessons. What advice could you give the men and women that are watching the show right now, the little boys, the little girls that are watching the show right now that have a dream? What advice could you give them right now? The number one advice for anybody when starting anything is to know what it is you want. If you don't know what you want, you can't go after it. And so get really clear on what you want. You know, if you want to be a performer, if you want to be a race car driver, or if you want to be a lawyer, a teacher, a coach, whatever the things is stirring up inside of you that you see somebody else doing, or when you do it yourself, you're, you feel awake and alive, get really clear on it. What does that look like? You know, what is that vision going to be? And then from there, become resourceful. You know, a lot of people run into roadblocks. Almost everyone runs into a roadblock at some point, whether it's an internal roadblock of, I can't do this, you know, I'm, I'm not smart enough, or I'm too slow, or I don't have what it takes. I don't have the money. I don't have this or that. You know, we have to become resourceful and, you know, nobody helped me get into racing. I'm the one who made the calls. I'm the one who put myself out there. And I had a lot of help to get there once I got started, but nobody held my hand. You know, racing, a lot of dads are there for their kids. Yeah. My dad didn't know anything about racing. I had to make it happen. You know, my parents didn't know anything about performing. I've had to make it happen. And so it's know what you want, get really clear on it, and then mm -hmm. become as resourceful as you can. And when you feel like you've run out of options, keep going. Because with both music and racing, you know, in the last six or seven years that I've realized that it's not too late to keep going. And I stopped doing both of those, you know, the, the music stuff when I was in middle school and then racing in my early 20s. I, I had a big gap where I stopped all of those things because I wasn't resourceful enough. I stopped when I felt like I ran out of what I could do. But I didn't ask the people around me how could they help me or where could I find help to make these things a reality. And so get extremely resourceful and then practice. Keep showing up, do the thing that you love every single day, every opportunity you get, whether it's free, whether you get paid or not, test yep. yourself, put yourself up against the best and keep going. And it's oftentimes, you know, the, the quote, I think we overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in like 10 years or something or three yep. years, whatever it is. So I think just show up and keep doing the work. And if you love it, you're gonna keep doing it. So when you're having those, those moments, who motivates and inspires you? I mean, you make you you make a living racing cars, and and you make a living, you know, being a singer songwriter. You 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 make a living speaking, motivational speaking. 
when you have one of those days that life has gotten the best of you, who, who inspires or, or motivates you? Who picks you up? Who kicks you in the butt? Right. <laughs> you know, I have friends and family around who, who know what I'm working towards and support what I'm doing. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think even they don't fully understand what I'm trying to do <laughs> because they're not doing it at that level. You know, they're, they're doing yeah. important things. They're, they're living a great life. Yep. But when, like you said, when you combine two or three, you know, I'm not just trying to be a, a big stage speaker or a country artist or a musician who's on country radio and doing the tour life, I'm trying to do all three. And so, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, what I do typically is just, you know, I'm encouraged by race car drivers who are level. They could be the same level as me, but when I see a dirt USAC, you know, when I watch the 360 guys, you know, or the 410s, you know, Indiana Midget Week's happening right now. You know, when I when I tune into Flow Racing and I watch those guys, like I'm encouraged to keep going after it, even though I'm not at the track. Or watching the Truck Series guys on a, a Thursday or Friday night or Saturday night, you know, I watch and stay involved so that I can stay connected to what's happening and, and be affirmed that hey, there's a place for me there. And the same with music, you know, whether you're riding in a room with other writers or you're, you're listening to a new song. You know, every Friday comes new songs get dropped on Spotify. And so you open up Spotify and see what's the latest stuff that's come out that you haven't heard. And, and so all of that is an encouragement to keep going because, you know, when you get into town, you know, if you go to Charlotte for racing or well, you might go to Indianapolis, but, you know, if you, if you go to Charlotte and you start connecting and meeting people and you come to Nashville and you start connecting and meeting people, you realize that the community is as big as they are as far as their reach. You know, NASCAR is global. Country music is global. But the communities are really small. That's right. And there's yeah. people who want to believe in you and support you because the one thing about, that's true about dreamers is that we get each other. We understand. We're chasing something that oftentimes is so big and so beyond what we think is right there that we need to have that belief from other people, that encouragement from other people. And, and so I just see, you know, yeah, I can open up Instagram and see a you know, a thousand people that I follow who are all are doing interesting things, whether they've made it or not. People who are in the pursuit of their dreams are the inspiration for me. I love it. That's, that's awesome. I, I have a question I have to ask, but first, listening to you talk, uh, Tyler, I have to commend you on one thing. Um, to me, it seems like, uh, and you had mentioned it, but it seems like a lot of people uh, live this life like it's a sitcom and there's a chance for a rerun or syndication. You're, and listening to you talk about you know the driving, the speaking, the music, the dreaming, and so forth, you're filling in everything you can uh, into this opportunity that we're given here in, in life, and I just think that that's outstanding. So I I, I wanted to commend you on that. Um, no, I, I appreciate have to, that. I have to know something though. I one of the biggest nightmares I had in my college years was a theater course and All acting. Right. I remember I had to act out Pretty Woman as Richard Gere for our final. Um, what, well, I'm glad it wasn't Julia Roberts. Yeah, oh, I, no, that was that was Gina. <laughs> and it, but uh, I remember a quote from you know I got to bring Kiss back up again. Paul Stanley said, "When you're at a concert, you're not listening with your ears; you're listening with your eyes." So right. I want to know what did you learn in acting that helped you the most on stage? What what's one of those lessons that gets you the artist? closer to your audience, even if they're, you know, 50 rows back. Yeah. I mean, I think I've already mentioned it in some form, but the, the idea that, you know, I was petrified of, and the, the fear for me was what if I fail? What if I mess up mm -hmm. and acting and being in training environment that was safe where you could fail taught me that, you know, when you do fail, especially in the performance aspect that most of the time 
it's never big enough for the audience to actually know. Yep. And even if they do know, they're not going to worry about that failure. You know, I was, I went to the Grammys a few years ago and Adele, she started singing a song and she was in the wrong key. And oh. it was very noticeable, at least, you know, in the audience. And it's like, okay, what's going to happen here? Like, this isn't starting off well, like this is, yeah. this is bad. <laughs> and she stops. She totally stopped her performance. She looks over side stage to the director and said, I'm sorry, I have to stop. Can we start over? Wow. The biggest stage in the world, the yeah. Grammys, Adele, and she messes up. And that right there showed me the, the essence of a true performer who's willing, she didn't run off stage. She didn't apologize profusely. You know, she said, I'm sorry, let's start over. And she got back to it and she did the work and she showed up. And so, you know, I think for anyone, the acting world, the performing world, it teaches you to show up, to play as big as possible, to fail and to get back up and try again. And you learn that it's a muscle, it's, it's practice. And the great performances, those actors or those singers, they didn't show up on day one and perform that way. They put in hours right. and hundreds of hours and thousands of hours to perfect the craft so that when you see them in a 10,000 seat or a 20,000 seat venue, you know, they're 10 years or 20 years into the journey of being a performer. And so the, the high school performance that you're trying to master or that college play, it's all just part of the, the story and showing up and being willing to take the risk is the key. Tyler, um, you know, we're talking about a lot. We're literally only have seven more minutes left, but there is something, there's a question that I have to ask came in on social media and I want to know in one of your videos, you have a, a beautiful girl with a beautiful Trans Am. I want to know, <laughs> right. is the Trans Am your car? And the person that tweeted me the question wants to know, is that your girlfriend? Because she, she was in multiple uh, videos of yours. That is not my car or my girlfriend. Because <laughs> she looked like um, uh, I thought she looked a little like Taylor Swift. Yeah, she has she a little, did. a little bit. I mean, she see did. that. Yeah. Yep. She's a she's an actress here out of Nashville, and that that car is a, a car based out of Georgia. Uh, <laughs> a connection. You know, there's a song that mentions a Trans Am in it, and so I, I was trying to round up the Trans Am, and I couldn't find one local to Nashville, and so we found that one down in Georgia. Uh, just outside of where I'm from. Awesome. I know you're next, Brian. Go ahead. You're itching to ask something. I've been waiting. On, I, ha <laughs> I, ha I have to know. All right. So whether it's your phone, any kind of wherever you store your music, if I were to open up your uh, your iPhone and go to your, your music library, what am I guaranteed to see? What are some of the, the artists or bands that are going to be at the top of your playlist? Oh, gosh. You're going to see what's um, some of the up-and-coming stuff in Nashville because I'm just seeing who who's out there doing what. Okay. So you're, you're going to see uh, some Bryce Malden. You're going to see some, um, who else are you going to see? Mitchell Tenpenny is big on the list. Uh, you're going to see um, Dustin Lynch. You're going to see Cole Swindell. You're going to see some of the big, big names like that. You're going to see writers like Cole Taylor and Adam Sanders. Um, and then you're going to see, Why? you know, some... Yeah. A, a lot of female artists as well, so a lot, a lot of good stuff in there. Well, I, I know that my oldest daughter is a, is a huge country fan, and we go to concerts when we can every every summer, and so all those except for this summer. Well, that that this <laughs> yeah, is the first one we year. got. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, she. I was going to throw one to put on your playlist that she threw my way. I've never heard of it. But boy, does it tell a good story. You said you liked hearing stories and telling stories. It's called Put That in Your Country Song by Eric Church. And it tells like yep. four different stories. And if you haven't heard that one yet, throw that on there. It, it, you're going to love it. Well, listen, what, literally we have five minutes left, and i got to go to social media here for this one. And, uh, Tyler, this one is, do you prepare yourself the same way for a race, a concert, and a speaking gig? Or do you prepare yourself different for each one? The racing is a little different uh, just because the atmosphere. You're, you're typically, you've got your team around you, you know, it's, whether it's asphalt or dirt. You know, there, there's a lot going on, a lot of people. It could be fans in the pits. It could be other competitors you're talking to. I'm a little more social when it comes to the racing, and especially on a dirt atmosphere where you're in and out of the car multiple times pretty quick. You know, you're you're kind of bouncing around, so you don't have. I don't feel like you have as much time to to kind of calm down or get really focused and centered. And you kind of do that when you strap in the car, and those few seconds, you know, as you're in the staging area, it's time to dial it in. So you learn really quick to learn how to go from, you know, pretty busy mindset to really dialed in and focused. And then music and speaking is fairly similar. I want to not be alone, but I want to have time to really get focused and centered and kind of collect my energy and, and think about what, what's the show going to be like and the experience and, and then have a, a few moments, you know, the speaking, you don't really have this, but you know, if you're going out on stage, you have a few minutes with your band and, and get focused together and, and go out there and, and put on a great show. Awesome. And Brian, I know you have a couple uh, oh, couple fun I, ones I, I for I hope them. you don't mind. Uh, Tyler, would you humor me and play, uh, let's just call it this or that. We, and, and really, I, I've got nothing to give you. It's just... Put me on the spot here. Yeah. Two quick things, and you got to tell me which one. Don't overthink it. All right? Okay. Here we go, bud. Pizza or hamburgers? Pizza. Beatles or the Stones? Beatles. Good man. <laughs> Johnny Cash or Willie Nelson? Johnny Cash. Pretty cars or pretty girls? Pretty girls. There you go. <laughs> Opening song or encore? Encore. That's what I said, yeah. Yeah, I know you. Movies or Broadway? Movies. And last one, this is about nerves. The starting flag or the opening number? Nice. Nerves opening number. All right. <laughs> well, yeah. you know what? I can't. You didn't win anything, but you played really, really well, and I appreciate that. Uh, Tyler, hey. you be, I mean, we, we're, we're down to like three minutes, but I want people to, to, to know where they can follow you. So please let everybody know right now where they can find you on social media. On social media, Twitter and Instagram is T Williams Live. My website is TylerWilliamsLive.com. You can find my music on pretty much anywhere, Apple, Spotify, Tidal, uh, YouTube. If you are into podcasts, uh, which you're, you should be because you're listening to this one, <laughs> I have a podcast called Beyond the Limit where I talk to people of all walks of life, business owners, songwriters, actors, performers, and uh, military men and women as we discuss their performance potential. So you can search that on Apple, Spotify, and other uh, podcast players called Beyond the Limit. So pretty much anywhere uh, where you can find us and, and connect with us and would love to, to hear from you. Social media, again, question. Do you ever get nervous before a race or a, um, a concert? The concert's definitely, you know, the, the first 90 seconds of a show is always the most nerve-wracking. Um, the, the thing in racing that's most nerve-wracking to me is the four-wide salute. 
know, there, there's just something about it. It's like every time I'm like, oh, we're just all going to wad it up and somebody's going to put them in the fence. But, um, you know, typically you just get focused and go. So typically the, the, the speaking and the, the singing has the most fear factor those first 90 seconds. Do you have a favorite um, moment in your career? You got literally 30 seconds yeah. to answer No this. pressure. <laughs> favorite moment? Favorite moment? Gosh. Probably winning my first Pro Late Model race at Linear National Speedway in 2007. We had been running for about 40-something races. And to do that with no experience, my guys had no experience. Uh, we learned together. We accomplished it together. And we beat some of the best in the business in the South. If anybody knows Linear National Speedway, they know that the competition there was fierce. So that was a big moment. That is so awesome. Tyler awesome. Williams, I cannot thank you enough. Brian, no. do you have a quick uh, closing comment? No, I just, it was great to meet you. I had a great time talking to you. Uh, if you can, it, it won't kill you just to sneak a little kiss number in your next concert. Just throw one in for me. <laughs> we'll, we'll try it. All right. We'll see what works. That's all I ask. I don't ask for much. That's it. That's awesome. Tyler Williams, yeah, again, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. Again, everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. You can find me at MotivationalCowboy.com and right here on NRMStreamcast.com. Search Motivational Cowboy for all of my podcasts. We'll see you next time right here at NRM Streamcast. I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, telling you, be safe, have fun, and have yourselves an outstanding day.